1: 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630
2: Chad. Nurse, beautiful move to the net. Three shots, four! And Edmonton completes a trophy!
0: he takes the staff, settles into the pocket. He's got some time. Now he's going deep, looking down the sidelines. Oh, what a catch! And that's going to be a touchdown all the way to the end
1: zone for Darrell Walker. An absolute
3: bomb. Edmonton's home for
1: breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. little more original and where I played up the personality of the characters more and where there were surprises and I came up with the Fantastic Four and I called Jack Kirby who was the best artist we had and I asked him if he would draw it. It sold very well. We had never gotten fan mail before but we started getting fan mail and that started it. So
0: I dreamed up Spider-Man and the Hulk and the X-Men, and all the others. Could that man ever dream? What an imagination. A little bit from Stan Lee, an interview with the New York Times in 2015. Stan Lee came to the uh, Edmonton Comic Book Convention. I wish I could place the year, but it probably would have been in the late 1980s, and I would have been a teenager, heavily into Marvel Comics at the time, and he was signing autographs, and, and you could line up and, go say hello and get to meet the man and, and get an autograph. So I didn't know what he would possibly sign. I think one of my parents who were with me said, uh, well, could you, could you get a comic that, that he could sign? So there was a, a What If comic for sale that I, I can't remember how I found it. I was pretty lucky to stumble across it. And if you read Marvel Comics, What If was kind of like alternate universe comics, like uh, what if the radioactive spider had bit Aunt May instead of Peter Parker? So there was a what if the creators of Marvel Comics had had uh, been become the Fantastic Four, got the powers instead of the people in the comics. And I think it was kind of a humorous one, so I, it was a few dollars. So I bought that one, I, I lined up, and you get to the front of the line, and all of a sudden, Stan Lee is sitting there. This guy who's created all these incredible characters that I was in love with and felt connected to and loved reading... And he wasn't writing a lot of comics at that time, but all of a sudden he's right there. And what what do you say? So he takes the comic, and there was a drawing of him on, on the cover. And he goes, hey, that looks like me. You know, very outgoing guy. And he starts side of the comic. And recently, Stan Lee had written an, an Amazing Spider-Man annual. And the annuals were... Obviously, published once a year, kind of one-off stories. They didn't necessarily fit into what was ever going into the, on in the storyline of that character. And he'd written this really great story about uh, the scorpion trying to to boost his powers and get revenge on Spider-Man. And it was one of the best comic book stories I had ever read. So I'm sitting there, a, a teenager from from Evansburg, uh, and I I say, "You should write more." <laughs> and he kind of goes, "Oh, really?" I said, yeah, I read that annual you did with the Scorpion and Spider-Man. That was great. And he's like, oh, thank you very much. And he hands the comic back, and off you go. And that was my few seconds meeting Stanley. And I will never forget it. I'm sure some of the details are foggy. And it's kind of embarrassing to think that my advice to him was my word. It was, hey, man, have you ever thought about writing more comics? Yeah, thanks, kid. That's how I got to be famous. But that was Stan Lee and uh, Spider-Man, for me, the greatest fictional character of all time. For me, in my opinion. So I wanted to start off with a little Stan Lee tonight. Hey, thanks a lot for tuning in. It's 10 uh, after 6, Inside Sports on 630 Shed, live tonight You can reach out at 630-630 on the text line. You can also call 780-496-0063. NHL action tonight. The Canucks lead the Rangers 1-0 early in the second period. Also early in the second period, Chicago up 1-0 on Carolina. Coming up later tonight, starting in about uh, half an hour, the Blue Jackets are at the Stars, and later the Predators are at the Ducks. The Toronto Raptors have the best record in the NBA at 12-1. They're 7-0 at home, and home tonight against the New Orleans Pelicans. The game is tied at 31 early in the second quarter. And Monday night football starts soon. It is a titanic struggle between the 1 and 7 New York Giants and the 2 and 7 San Francisco 49ers. The Edmonton Oilers obviously are stumbling along lately. Well, stumbling might be Uh, A compliment given how they played last night. They have lost four straight. They have been outscored 17-6 over that span. They got scored on early last night against the Colorado Avalanche. They were never really in the game. I mean, obviously, the okay, fine third period was a little better, but Colorado had the game well in hand by then, so I'm not going to put too much on that. Uh, The Oilers will host the Montreal Canadiens tomorrow night. Always a big one. The somewhat surprising Montreal Canadiens. Dan Robertson, their radio play-by-play voice, is going to fill us in on uh, what's been working for the Habs, who have been scoring a lot but also giving up a lot. They don't have a great team save percentage. Carey Price has been struggling a lot this year as well, but uh, we will hear from Dan as we move along. A lot going on at Oilers practice today. Well, primarily the uh, the line combinations, and that is Dreisaitl and McDavid with Drake Cajuula. Now, obviously, we've seen Dreisaitl and McDavid together occasionally this year, the last two third periods as the Oilers were looking to get something going and looking for a little offense. So it looks like for tomorrow, if they stick with this, McDavid, Drysytle, and Kajula together. Nugent Hopkins will go and play with Reeder and Chase on. And uh, Ty Ratty will go onto that struggling third line with Strom and Lucic. Fourth line expected to say the same. Kara. Uh, Brodziak and Cassie and Cooper Marodi up as the extra forward right now. We'll see if he gets into a game. But the Oilers, uh, I mean, look, we're, uh, we're 17 games into the season. They're 8-8-1. Eight, eight Obviously, a, f- a 500 record, not going to be good enough, so they're going to have to start banking a few more wins and get out of this losing streak and start playing better. They, uh, I mean, look, we'll, we'll, and we'll have some clips here from McClellan and a couple of players talking about the slumps. The, 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 the depth scoring is not there. When it somebody surfaces, whether it's Kajula for a few games, whether it's on for a few games, they get some goals. Raddy hasn't played uh, as much as everybody else because of the injury. I haven't minded the way he's played. I think he plays a pretty honest game and is able to uh, at least play smart in the offensive zone, though he's not going to all of a sudden blossom into an offensive superstar. But here's how I look at it for the Oilers. Y- you basically have two lines that are scoring at the rates of fourth lines. Brodziak has a couple of goals, both in one game. Uh, you know, Cassian has a goal, probably the best there last night. Kara hasn't been able to score yet. And then you have Lucic with a goal. You have Strom with a goal. And they've had several right wingers who uh, haven't been great either. So you basically have your third and fourth lines both scoring at the rates of fourth lines. And what's happened here in my mind over the past, well, I guess you, you want to say two and a third years. Uh, You know, Lucic was signed and given a chance to play high in the lineup, play with McDavid, never panned out. And then don't forget, even when Ryan Strom was first acquired and and started with the Oilers, you thought, well, maybe he can be the right winger for Connor McDavid. Neither of those guys were able to do it, and and they're also not producing on their own line either. So uh, this is unfortunately an ongoing theme for the Oilers. I don't know if it's going to go away this season, uh, but definitely going to be one of the problems I think they will face periodically throughout the year Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Phil has called in Phil it's nice to hear from you
4: Hey long time listening big fan um, well I got two things I have an Oilers question uh, um, I'm starting to get the flack from the non-Oilers friends uh, uh, and I'm still a, a pretty positive fan I'm still thinking there's a lot of hope left we had a drastically better season so far last couple games have been really disappointing but I, is it time to start worrying? Is it time to start thinking, well, what are they doing? Or am I am I all right with still thinking we, we've we got a great position and, and a lot to still a really good chance of the playoffs?
0: Well, I'll tell you what, Phil. I have a policy that I never tell people how to feel because everybody's fan experience is their own one. Uh, I'm a little more worried than I was a couple of weeks ago, and I specifically worried about last night because it felt a lot like last year where they don't start a game well and it spins out of control. And, uh, you know, teams that make the playoffs or who are good teams don't do everything well. But generally one thing they do well is they stay in games and, and they shake off adversity or, or they take care of the details. That's what concerns me about last night. For me personally, though, I, I do think the Oilers can remain competitive for a playoff spot because they're not in a strong division. And I, I still think they have three pretty good offensive players who can keep them in a lot of games uh, if the rest of the forwards are able to check well and, and chip in with the odd goal. So that's how I feel about that. What's your other point?
4: Well, um, actually, it was uh, a Stan Lee story. Uh, we had horrible news today, but uh, I'm, I've been collecting comics since I was nine years old, and uh, I've actually seen him three times so far. Every time he's been amazing, uh, super personable, but the last time, last year, uh, I went to go, uh, there's a comic convention in Edmonton, we had it in town, they were, I uh, was um, uh, 94 years young, uh, brought a pair of comics to get signed, uh, I brought uh, one of the last comics he wrote and, and did the story for, and I also brought the first appearance and first issue of She-Hulk. Um, uh, last time I went, they didn't have any rules on a number of comics, this time they do. So I'm at the front of the line. The guy tells me, you're only allowed to have the one. You only paid for one. I, I quickly pick which comic. As Stan signs the first, he looks up, takes the other comic right out of my hand, looks over his other guy, smiles, and continues to sign the other comic. Thanks for thanks me for being a fan and continues on it. It was just that's that's the kind of guy Stan Lee was. That's the kind of super type of person that he he always was. So I just want to share that story.
0: Phil, awesome story. Thanks for listening and thanks for calling in. No problem. Thanks, man. All right, 780-496-0063. Really appreciate that from Phil. If you're on hold, stay there. We got a couple people on the open line Inside Sports on 630
1: Chad. You're listening to 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins.
0: Use this in the first Iron Man movie? The second Iron Man the movie. The second Iron Man movie. Thank you very much, Kellen Kennedy. A little bit of tie to the Marvel Universe and Stan Lee, who we said farewell today to today at the age of 95. My name is Reed Wilkins, live edition of Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Thanks a lot for tuning in. 780-496-0063. You can text 63630. I'll get to Alan on the phone line in a second. The Oilers uh, obviously trying to work through a tough spell here. Really bad game last night against the Colorado Avalanche. Risk management is something Todd McClellan has stressed a lot in his three and a quarter years as head coach and talking about it again today.
3: Except for the one outlier in Winnipeg, we've given up three or fewer goals. Um, so there is a common theme to that. All of our losses uh, were over three or over. And uh, I'm not just talking about the Edmonton Oilers, I'm talking about the NHL. That's how it works. And I think right now um, we're chasing mistakes and we're, we're hoping that we're going to get to four or five or six a night. And it doesn't happen on a regular basis. We proved it with our own wins. So. Understanding that offense comes when it's presented and, and you work to it and you try and uh, create it, uh, but you've got to manage the risk part is really important for our team right now. Um, it's like we meet with the staff and one of the assistant coaches said, can we win a game one-nothing right now? And uh, you know, that's something we have to have that mentality of, it doesn't mean we're trying to take away their scoring, their creativity, anything like that. but. We've got to manage risk a little bit better, and we've got to understand that every play is, has an impact on the game. As, as little as it may feel like when you're on the ice, but every play has an impact on the game.
0: You know, I thought that was an interesting way to put it. Could we win a game one nothing right now? And that would seem like a foreign concept uh, in my mind, anyway, for the Oilers, especially since they've fallen behind at least two nothing in four consecutive games. But uh, you know, they talked about it after the game last night. Rob and I discussed it on overtime overline. They they were cheating for offense. They didn't look like they were committed to checking and uh, and being in the right spot and uh, winning the battles in their own end. They they looked like a team that. You know, thought okay, Colorado's coming in on a losing streak. We're back home. We finally got a day off. Let's go out there and blow them out instead of instead of committing to all the little things that they gotta do first to lead to offense. And, and that's that's where the concern falls for me because I think you've you've seen, uh, you know, not all the time, but you've seen a better commitment to defense and steadier play in their own end and transitioning the puck through, I, I would say the majority of their games this year, even sometimes when they lost, but that, they totally got away from that last night. And, and I hope that's out of their system and, and they, and they don't try to play this globetrotter style game uh, tomorrow against Montreal, because you're just going to keep losing like you did last year. If that's all you want to commit to. Alan is online too. Hi, Alan. Hey, Reed. How you doing? Good.
2: Good. Uh, Reed, thanks for having me on your show here. Uh you know, uh, I, I, I've, been, uh, I've been here in Edmonton since 2007, trying to become an Oilers fan, and I thought this year so far it looks like it was, it looks promising. I know it's still early in the in the season here, but the last four games have been really, really upsetting, and I'm, I just, I'm, I'm a little concerned on if we're going back into the same old habits, the same way we're playing, and I don't know what we got to do to change it up. But my, but my, my question is that when we when we look at this team where are we getting the influence from? Are we getting it from our upper managers that are the old boys club from the back in the 80s that are sitting there still talking about the 80s era of how, how we were so great at hockey, how we were to win all these Stanley Cup champions? Or do you think it's a good idea to get some fresh people upstairs in those general in those GM offices and stuff to give fresh ideas to these players? Because they're young. I think the players are, are, are the right players we have. Uh, I, I see that there is a good chance for them to to win a Stanley Cup. I think they have the ability because for many years have gone by, we always talked about our offense or defense or goalie. Well, let's talk about upstairs. What can we do differently to to maybe add some different uh, feedback to these players, to add some more new new uh, concepts? Uh, I just feel like that we're still in a... We're still in the old era for some reason. I, I could be wrong, though, but
0: I just want to get your thoughts on it. Well, Peter um, Shirel—I I mean, Peter Shirelli is a general manager, not an 80s oiler. His assistant general manager is Keith Gretzky, who I realize uh, has the last name Gretzky, but most people I talk to say Keith's a pretty good hockey guy who's crafted out a good career on his own. Craig McTavish uh, spends a lot of time in Europe scouting. He spends a lot of time in Bakersfield. And uh, you know Kevin Lowe is a vice chair of OEG. I think he's always there if people want to talk. I I don't think he's involved too much in the in the day to day dealings of of the team. I I get the old boys club criticism, and I've I've heard it for for years. Certainly when when Mac T was the GM and and Kevin Lowe was uh, more heavily involved before. The impression I get is Peter Shirelli is 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 running the show, and a lot of the players he's brought in have been. His style of players and, and players he's believed in, uh, a lot of them just haven't panned out, at least over medium to long term. That's how I look at that. Okay? Okay.
2: Okay. Right. Well, thank
0: you very much. All right. That is Alan at seven eight zero four nine six zero. 063. We're back after the 6.30 news. You'll hear a, bit, a little bit from Leon Dreisaitl, Connor McDavid, Milan Lucic.
1: This is Inside Sports with Reid Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader 630 Chad
0: Canucks and Rangers 1-1 late in the second period. Blackhawks and Hurricanes 2-2 late in the second period. A couple other games coming up later tonight. Raptors trailing the Pelicans, 62 57, 115 left in the second quarter, five minutes left in the first quarter. Monday Night Football 49ers up 3 zip on the New York Giants. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 630. Chad, this portion of the show presented by Furnace Family, your 24 7 furnace repair and replacement specialist. Call 780 4FAMILY or furnacefamily.com. You can text 630 630. And some of you have done just that. Randall says, I've been a strong supporter of Todd McClellan since day one. I no longer have faith in his ability to move this team forward. The players appear to have tuned him out. Had L.A. waited a couple days, they could have had Joel Quenville. He will be hired by the next team to axe their current bench boss, and it may as well be the Oilers. Post-game, McClellan identifies the same problems that plagued the team last year, and the player's response is always the same old tired. We have to find a way or we weren't ready to play. Enough rhetoric. Don't waste a decent start. Hire Joel Quenville immediately. That is from Randall. And CJ says, because so many Oilers played badly last game, including Connor. Uh, is it just that simple that they have traveled too much to start the season? I've heard so many talk radio hosts keep talking about how the majority of oilers keep making mistakes that they don't normally make. I'm not making excuses for them, but has all that travel, but all that travel has to add up, doesn't it? Thank you for your thoughts. That is from CJ. Uh, you know what I, I I always try not to talk too much about uh, injuries and travel and fatigue, and I don't want to deny that they're an impact, but I also think, Every team in the NHL travels uh, at, at some point in the season. Every NHL team has a schedule that they probably feel is unfair or has excessive travel or doesn't give them enough days off. And the good teams don't win all those games, but they still maybe grind out a, a, a point or two in, in some of those games and do better than the Oilers did. Last night, uh, I don't think fatigue or travel or Anything like that can, can be a factor. I think the Oilers played exceptionally poorly, and and they got what they deserved on the scoreboard. So, uh, you, okay, fine, maybe on the road trip, you know, Washington-Tampa, that's an unusual back-to-back, uh, and then you finish off against against Florida. But, but again, better teams, deeper teams might still be able to grind out a point or two or have uh, your goalie get you a point or two out of that game. Edmonton hasn't done it, and, and CJI specifically don't buy that there should have been any fatigue hindering them last night. Al has called in. Hi, Al.
5: Hey, how you doing, Reid? Yeah, good. Good, good. Yeah, uh, the coaching, uh, I think it should be definitely changed. Uh, even last year on New Year's. New Year's Eve, they lose 5 nothing at home to Buffalo at home. Nobody showed up. Like I would have read the Riot Act then, and then this year, they had a tough schedule at the start, but everybody's had some travel and just this and that there's there's tough teams in the nhl you got to be prepared and i I just don't think though the team is buying into what uh what he's selling for one thing and i I would definitely go after chicago's old coach get him in here uh you know case has got lots of money pay him whatever and start there and the sooner the better or or you know trent yanni he's another option but i think i think uh, you need a head man in there and go from there. And I'd like to see a couple of rule changes in the the league. Okay. Uh, The glove pass, that's got to go away. It's a useless whistle. You know, I'm I'm not saying you can score a goal with your glove. Definitely not. But these glove passes, that's just a useless whistle. Ever since I played and managed and coached, you know, I thought, man, what a useless rule that is. And another one is I I think what they should do is a two-minute minor now, I think it should, uh, whoever gets a two-minute minor should have to serve the full two minutes. It would stop a lot of the after scrums and whatever, because if you're off for two minutes, a team could score two, three goals on you, and that's definitely
0: going to hurt you. Interesting stuff. Okay, thanks, Al. Appreciate it. Okay, Reed. you have a good night. Buddy. You, you too. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. That was Al uh, calling in. I, never th- I mean, they allow the glove pass in your own end. You can't do it in any other portion of the ice. The uh, Oilers, obviously, uh, you know, middle of the slump. I mentioned the goal differential seventeen six outscored in the last four games, and uh, here's Leon Drysital on defending.
6: Yeah, it seems like it's uh, it's been the biggest issue um, you know, ever since I've gotten here. It's it's the defensive part. Um, you know, we've stretches where we're really good at defending, you know, not giving up much, um, you know, winning games 2-1, 4-1, you know, giving up one, two goals a game. Uh, and then we, we have these stretches where we just seem to, uh, um, you know, almost be nervous about getting in our own zone. And, you know, we're, we're slow to pucks, we're, we're late to, to battles, and, um, you know, that's something we, we have to do better. And... Um, you know, that's something that um, you're, we we addressed today, and um, you know, tomorrow is a good chance for us to to go out and prove that we're a, a team that can that can play good uh, good defense.
0: I thought that was interesting for, from from Drysaitel, and I I think that that some of what's going on here is is mental as well. And he kind of said there we get hesitant in in our own end, and we get slow on pucks and uh, they, they don't get involved in battles quick enough, and that gives the other team more time to to set up on offense and to make plays. And, and I do think that is part of the issue. And are, are when when you go out there to play, are you expecting something bad to happen or are you expecting something good to happen? Or are, are you guarding against something bad, or are, are you trying to initiate and get involved in the play? And the Oilers look very tentative last night and, and, and weren't engaging and weren't getting to pucks. And like I said, they definitely got what they deserved. Uh, Mike says, uh, I'm tired of Todd McClellan. Players that underperform get sat out or sent down unless they make six to eight and a half million dollars per year. I don't like that Lucic and Dryside will get moved up. What does this say to the rest of the team? Well, Milan Lucic has not been moved up, Mike. Milan Lucic played the fewest minutes of any oiler last night. He's been taken off the uh, the power the first unit power play. And, uh, you know, he's, he's basically become a third-line player. I don't know if they'd ever actually stick him on the fourth line. Uh, yeah, Seidel is going to get a chance with McDavid. We'll see how that goes. And, yes, Mike, contracts do figure into it because you, you can't send Milan Lucic to the minors. It's actually against the rules because he has a no movement clause. Uh, this texter says, uh, "Jay says the only thing I can say at this point is that l- at least we're not the devils." Well, New Jersey's having a tough time for sure. Uh, Derek on line one, hi Derek.
1: Hey Reed, how are you doing,
0: bud? Doing well. I uh,
1: just wanted to comment. There was there was a reason why they got rid of the. Like, I guess one time a two-minute penalty was a full two minutes, and they got rid of the yes. rule because of the Montreal Canadiens. They were so good yeah, that in the they'd 50s. actually score. Yep. A lot of, and then what was the other one? There was kind of the Oilers rule. The
0: four-on-four. Four. They got rid of four-on-four yeah. four for a while because the Oilers scored too much. So a coincidental <laughs> penalty kept was five-on-five. Five.
1: Exactly, and I don't know if you remember, Reed, but this last we were talking at Commonwealth and I brought up, I told you, I'd probably be one of the most hated GMs in the league, but we were talking about these one-way contracts that I believe that every contract should be a two-way contract just because I think it's good that, that uh, a couple guys got sent uh, to our farm team just, you got to keep playing
0: right? Right, you're talking about Arvey and Yamamoto going to Baco? Yeah I think it's a good move. Oh yeah, for those guys it's fine. I, I think it's I mean, they're never gonna take that away from the veteran players though, right? They're not yeah. gonna get rid of waivers or get rid of no movement costs. Yeah.
1: I know. i so like I mean, myself uh, in my world, if you went t- like you had said to me, yeah, as if they'd send Conor McDavid down it but but you know what he doesn't he doesn't go ten games without scoring that guy. But but Milan, oh man, you know, he's doing everything right. I've never seen someone so snake-bitten. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's tough. I think it'll come. I think it's still too early to panic. I mean, what's what's the deadline? What's the panic mode? Uh, uh, American Thanksgiving?
0: Uh, well, we're getting About there, that's next kind of thing? That's next Thursday. I mean, if they drop their next couple games, they're two games below 500, and in the NHL, that's, that's not very good. I mean, if you lose no. five or six in a row or, or yeah. six of seven, that's tough territory, and I, and I understand the questions about Todd. Um, be, uh, though I think Todd's done a better job coaching the team than Shirelli's done managing it. But usually the coach goes first. So if you know if if they don't, though I though I don't know Quenville's coming here. Everything I've heard on Quenville is that he'll take the year off and then see what he wants to do next year.
1: Yeah, I think people made that call. That's too early for that. People, because myself, I I think uh, I don't think Quenville. He made more than McClellan too, didn't
0: he? Um, yeah, he was up for. He's reported up around six mil. So, yeah, and I think and McClellan I would think, be after him and after Babcock.
1: Yeah, and I don't think that. Uh, yeah, I don't think he'd come to an. Uh, like, sorry, not against Edmonton, the Canadian city, but I think after being in Chicago, he's more like a big V town, like New York or LA or something.
0: But all right, anyways, Derek, appreciate it. Up. All right, take care. That is Derek, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Appreciate you calling in and texting tonight. I do want to let you know about the Oilers' opponent, who probably a lot of you either have a sock.
4: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
0: Spot for or really despise. We'll talk about the surprising Montreal Canadians when we get back.
1: This is Inside Sports with Reid Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad.
0: Oilers and Canadians tomorrow. Radio play-by-play voice for the Canadians is Dan Robertson. Dan, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Well, welcome to Edmonton, uh, Inside Rogers Place. The Canadians make their only visit of the season. You know, I've been covering this team for a while, Dan, but the, uh, the media contingent uh, always... Never ceases to amaze. How many of you guys travel with the team? I don't know if you can give a firm count, but what's the rough number?
6: Well, listen, it never ceases to bother me too. It's the same thing. It's it's just it makes the scrums that much bigger. But uh, uh, well, I would say anywhere from fifteen to twenty. Uh, it can, obviously, if they make the playoffs, it's a little more, but when you have the two languages um, and you can factor in all the interest there is around the Canadians, that is what leads to the big number. But it's, you know, all good people, so we're all friends in uh, one way or the other.
0: Yeah, right on. Okay, well, it's uh, it's always a, a loud building when the Canadians come to town. You get the chance going both ways because, obviously, they have a lot of support still in uh, in Western Canada. And you know what? Probably maybe uh, some Canadians fans don't dusting off their jerseys who maybe didn't think this was going to be a, a good year to show their support for the team. I mean, hey, 9-5-3, they're scoring a lot. I know some nights they're giving up a lot, but uh, how come they've been able to have some pretty good success here out of the gate?
6: Well, in the uh, in the summertime, Claude Julien and Mark Bergevin knew that uh, they had, probably before then, they knew they had to change the way that they played as a group. They had to play fast, and that's all they talked about at camp, and you could see it starting at camp, so Obviously, you, part of that is defensemen instead of making partner passes, you get it and you move it ahead. And Max Domi's brought a lot of life uh, to the team. He's been excellent. And, and their their team speed just seems to be better overall. So they, they've stuck to that game plan, and it's worked. And it's, listen, they've been, for what it's worth, they've been in a lot of exciting games, um, ones that have been a little bit shaky defensively. But in the last couple of years, they've been... Bad for the most part. Last year was terrible, and they've been dull. Uh, that's not the case this year. They've been they've been fast. They've been entertaining, and I think as importantly as anything, maybe most importantly, is they're very competitive. Last year, when they would get down a goal or two, you knew it was it was lights out. And in the postseason, Mark Bergerman talked about the fact they needed to adjust their attitude, and somewhere along the line they did. I don't know how it, it's been done, but. Uh, there's no quit in them this year, so it's it's really been a nice thing to see.
0: Well, I, I I hear you with that. I mean, we saw that from the Oilers last season too. They they got down a goal or two. It often spiraled out of control. Um, we'll see how Edmonton responds, because <laughs> their game against Colorado spiral that'll control, we'll see if they can get it back on track against the Habs. I mean, you mentioned Domi, obviously 21 points in 17 games. How about Thomas Tatar, though? I, I mean, I don't know if that was expected for from him, especially when you consider the player the Canadians gave up for him. I, I don't know if, uh, if people kind of thought he'd, he'd step in and fill that void quite so well. well
6: the thing is, too, Tatar didn't play much in the playoffs for Vegas, but I think that was as much a function of how well they were playing as a team and not that he's a poor hockey player. Uh, so he came here and uh, maybe had something to prove. I don't know. But he's he's been a surprise, I think, for most people, uh, certainly for me. Uh, but he is a guy, I think the last four years he has 20 goals. And he's pretty enough that he'll get in there and, and go to some dirty places. He's good in close, uh, in tight areas, and he's – fit in well with Philip Deneau and Brendan Gallagher, who was really out to a hot start. So, yeah, he has been a nice surprise. And you you referenced the fact that uh, Max Pacioretty is the player who went to Vegas. They also got a a second-round pick and a pretty good prospect uh, in Nick Suzuki. So, so far, it looks like a good trade
0: i got to do this. I I know some of my listeners are going to cringe. Former Oiler Jeff Petrie has 12 assists, 13 points in 17 games. He's a right-shot defenseman who can can get some points and who can move the puck up ice, and uh, oh, how the Oilers would like to have that. And and, and to be fair, I know it always hasn't been a smooth ride for Jeff in Montreal, but it seems to really be coming together.
6: Yeah, he's playing very well, and, and a big part of that, too, you have to remember that he's played a lot of minutes because he's had Shea Weber has been out for a long time he actually is practicing right now uh, with his team for the first time this season but Petrie uh, it's when he has his legs moving uh, I guess it's the same as it is with everybody else he's such a good skater and when he gets some contact in uh, it really seems to engage him in the game so he's kind of a polarizing guy to a certain extent Uh, I think, not sure why but Canadians fans, some of them Uh, want too much from him, in my opinion. And that's just sort of anecdotal stuff that I get from time to time, but I don't think they can ask for much more than Justin. And it's it's interesting too, I know it goes back a couple of years, but he didn't elect to go to the the free agent market. He decided to sign in Montreal. He liked what he saw when he first got there. And he's been a very important player on the team. And uh, without Weber, he's really the only guy who has a uh, a heavy one-timer on the power play, and and he's used that uh, to good effect. And yeah, I mean his, his skating is still really good. He's one of the older players on the team, but uh, he's still very effective.
0: Dan Robertson joining us on Inside Sports play by play voice for the Montreal Canadiens, Habs and Oilers at Rogers Place tomorrow night. Okay, well we're talking about a lot of positives for Montreal, we don't want to make it sound like they're the perfect team. Uh, we both kind of referenced some exciting games, some higher scoring games. Um, you got Carey Price's save percentage at 892, Niemis is at 894. You know that's tough to maintain long term and have success with uh, with goalies below 900. I know I saw the media scrum from about a a week ago where Carey Price was was standing in there and uh, asking a lot of questions about about his performance and working through that. Give me a sense. Uh, I, I guess I'll kind of lump the goal prevention and the goaltending all in together here, Dan. What's been going on?
6: Well, it's, if you look at Price, there's a lot expected of him as there should be. I mean, he, he was the Hart Trophy winner a few years back, but now. It's starting to seem like a long time ago because he hasn't been near that form since. And obviously this is the first year of his big contract. He's making over $10 million. So with that comes expectations. And he just looks a little bit lost right now. Um, he, he said the other night somebody asked him, sort of threw him a softball, is it your gear? And he said, no, it's, it's upstairs. So he's talking about the mental aspect uh, of the game. So he's trying to find his way right now. Miami against uh, Vegas, he wasn't perfect, but he's a battler. And, you know, he's done a pretty good job. The numbers are the numbers. Sometimes you have to, you know, see past those and maybe see the games to, to get a, a good gauge. Um, but he's done a good backup. And I wouldn't be surprised if he plays against the Oilers because he has pretty good numbers against Edmonton. in His career, he has 12 wins. I think he's 12-3-3. Three and, three. and obviously that goes along with different teams. But um, he's he's done a good job. But yeah, it's the same old thing. Unless they, um, uh, Kerry Price can find his form, then the Canadians can only go so far.
0: Well, and obviously enough, Price doesn't have great numbers against the Oilers. Probably one of the few teams uh, that, that he doesn't. The, the Oilers will have last change. They're at home, so it won't be as, as easy for Montreal to get the matchups that they like. Uh, it looks like McDavid and Dry Seidel are going to be line mates tomorrow. Uh, both have had good games against the Canadians in the past. Is there going to be a preference for Julien if he can get guys out there against that line, or how has he handled some of those big-name matchups this year?
6: Well, Philip Deneau has done a nice job defensively as a shutdown center, and he's on the line with the Gallagher. So I would think he would try to do that. Um, I would say that he can't keep up with McDavid, but really, who can? So I, I think it's probably uh, a combined effort as much as anything. Um, you know, Ben and Petrie are their first, I don't want to say first pairing, but if you look at it, uh, Ben's not fleet of foot either. So it's it's something that's they're going to have to answer, obviously. But it'll be tough. I mean, that's as you know, it's difficult against McDavid any night. But I would think that Denno gives them their best bet defensively as a centerman.
0: All right. Well, it's going to be a fun one. Hey, Dan, I look forward to you to see you at the morning skate tomorrow. This is always a very fun visit when the Canadians come to town, man. Appreciate your time. Anytime, thank you. That is Dan Robertson from TSN six ninety in Montreal. Oilers, Canadians tomorrow on Chad five thirty faceoff show game at seven. Eskimos long snapper Ryan King in studio when we get back.
1: Six thirty Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on six thirty Chad.